You are listening to episode 15 of The Bastards of King's Grave, the longest-running podcast at the intersection of A Song of Ice and Fire and everything else. As usual, this is Amin, and I'm joined one year later by a couple of our uh, well-known guests. This is Katie. This is Michal. And I'm Stephanie. Okay, well, it's good to chat with you. When's the, I think the last one we did was about a year ago, right? That was June-ish. Yeah, yeah like the Cora finale. Yeah. I don't know if we want to mention anything about Cora per se, like just in terms of like how you feel now about it, or when do we know any, when it's coming out season two? We know nothing. Nothing. <laughs> no. Yeah, one year later thoughts. It's a it's a big topic hmm. that I think we can hold off on. We'll save it. Yeah, maybe kind of. Or maybe when the DVD comes out in a few months or something. Hmm. I don't know. But we we have no idea when the show's like it's not coming out in the summer anyways. It's got to be fall or something like that. Yeah. I mean, they said 2013, so I mean, I yeah. guess the longer we wait, the closer it'll be. All right. Well, I guess we're going to talk about the, the comics today, uh, but actually the most recent comic, The Search. Um, does someone want to describe it? Uh, basically, it is the first part of a trilogy of comics describing uh, Zuko and Azula's search for their mother and Zuko's parental crisis. <laughs> <laughs> well, wait, what was it, the Zuko um, Blackfire theory? or <laughs> <laughs> yeah, The crisis for the throne. Uh, if we, if we want to give it a lemon cake rating, I, would, I feel like I liked the first issue of The Search more than I liked all three issues of The Promised Combined. So I will give it a lusty 4.5. Yeah. Um, I'll give it... Um... Yeah, four, maybe four point whatever is between five and whatever. We can divide uh, it into quarters, too. So. Okay, so four, four and a quarter. Four and a quarter, yeah. Um, I mean, I, I actually really did like it, and while reading it, I felt a lot more like I was reading a, a real comic and a, you know, something that like made sense both in the Avatar world and as a as a general story. Um, whereas there was always something a little awkward about the promise. Um, and yeah, I thought it was well written. I'm not super keen on the the big mystery at the end, but um, I thought it was really well done. I gave it a four as well. I think about a four. I mean, yeah, I liked it more than a promise, although I thought the promise ended well. And I think there is potential here, and I don't. I don't know if this. I guess we'll get into this, but I don't think that Zuko is like a bastard or whatever. I think that's something else. So, Stephanie. Oh, oh. Um, I I'll give it like a three or a two and a half. I don't know. Hmm. I, I'm like I like the promise for the most part. I'm just I was just constantly face palming at a lot of the choices they made <laughs> in the first volume of the search. It just like. I don't know, like, I, I'm, I'm more hesitant to wait on, like, what's going to come next, though. What was your, what made you face Paul? I'm curious. Uh, just the reveal at the end is just such a stupid soap opera move. <laughs> I mean, do you think it's a and red this is, No, and this is the working under the assumption that it is a red herring. Yeah, and if they introduce it in the first volume, I don't see how it could be anything but a red herring. I mean, maybe I'm just so disconnected from Airbender at this point that I I don't care if it's true or not. But I mean, what most people have been saying is it kind of renders Zuko's whole journey in the series kind of moot if it turns out that you know he's not Ozai's son. Yeah, there's just like that. It's overplayed, you know. Like you have like this bastard parent, this like evil parent, and then surprise, they're not your real parent. Just yeah. like it's just ugh. well, it gives him like a convenient emotional out that feels really dishonest. Like, oh, don't worry, your evil father is not really your evil father. You have you know Tom Hanks on an island with a beard, you know, talking to spirit wolves, cast, <laughs> like castaway style. <laughs> Akeem, or I mean, Akeem, he's a he's a fine character, or whatever. But a big theme of what they've set up in the comic already and what a big theme kind of, I think in the show was, is like, you know, how much do you owe your family, like your blood family? And I think that comes up in, in Korra as well is, you know, you, you have siblings, you have parents and maybe they're awful to you, but do you owe them loyalty? Do you owe them kindness and compassion, even if they don't show it to you? And you see Zuko struggling with that. And if it turns out that Ozai is not his dad, I, I don't know. It feels like it's, it's, 
it's too kind. <laughs> you know, I mean, Zuko's been shat on for most of, you know, his existence, but still that feels like too much of a fairy godmother coming in and saying, you know, don't worry, you have a loving father who, you know, can like communes with spirit wolves in the jungle. I mm-hmm. thought it was, uh, somebody else mentioned it as well. It's kind of like Tywin Tyrion. It's like, if, yeah, I, I want I want him to be the son. It fits it better if it's not the son. It's like almost justifying the treatment he got. And I'm and I, I think Ozai is the type that if he actually thought it wasn't his son, he, he would do more than burn him. Because there's a great one of the best scenes in the promise is when Zuko goes to talk to Ozai and Ozai tells him that story about when they went on vacation and Zuko was indecisive about I don't know like the hawk and the crab or whatever and he gets swept out into the water. And Ozai goes out and he saves him from drowning. And like we know, and Zuko knows that Ozai is a horrible person. He's this guy who burned and tried to kill his son. But at the same time, there is this, I don't know what to call it, like a lingering affection, not affection. It's like if if you're a child who is abused by your parent, there comes a moment in your life eventually where you have to reconcile that maybe that parent was the person who changed your diapers and fed you food when you were a baby, who also, you know, beat you when you were a teenager. And for Zuko, it's clear that he's troubled with that. He doesn't know how to respond to his father. And so, yeah, to take that away, that bond, it just, it's almost like he no longer has to deal with Ozai as this, as this complicated person in his life. He can just say, well, you're not my real father. I can just treat you like a prisoner. I'm not saying that he would, but it it de it simplifies that relationship in a way that's not really appealing. Hmm. Yeah, I've heard a lot of people saying that, like, oh, it doesn't matter because emotionally he was still his father and blah, blah, blah. And I'm just like, but there is that, like you said, Katie, that, like, easy switch off, you know, if, if he's not. I mean, it happens to be, I kind of think that, I, I disagree with you guys, I think that, that Ozai is not Zuko's father at this point in time. I hope I'm wrong, but mm. um, I just... I agree. And also the idea that he could not be a blood relation to Iroh, like, yeah, whatever, it's not important, blah, blah, blah. But like, no, Iroh and Zuko, like that's like there is an importance of of blood relations and like, yeah, I don't know. I I also like that whole um the whole dragon imagery from Avatar, you know, was so well done and so like so well encapsulated the idea that like good people can be related to bad people and that happens and it's not you know like neither neither is is like says anything specifically about the other um but yeah and if and if i don't i don't know which way to say it if it's not true or no if it is true that zuko is not ozai's son um then yeah that kind of fizzes a little bit I just want to see how how, uh, Ozai would have tolerated Zuko or his mom being alive if he actually knew about it. Yeah, it's just... He's he's really interesting at this point, and I don't know if they're going to keep him completely flat if, you know, Gene Yang has any interest in developing his character. But he seems like... I don't want to say he had affection for his wife, but it seems like he tolerated her in a way that was not completely evil. I mean, he didn't... He didn't let her send letters home, but he didn't, you know, burn them either. He kind of just put them away in a chest. I don't know if, like, I don't know. We could talk about whether or not Ursa is going to show back up again and whether she's going to, you know, reunite with him. But I just, I wonder what's, like, what is Ozai's fate at the end of the comic? Does he just stay in jail for the rest of his life, you know, smiling evilly? (laughs) (laughs) Well, he he gets a boisterous uh, roommate, prisoner runner. <laughs> certain things develop. <laughs> we know that Zuko stays the Fire Lord, Fire Lord, because of Korra, and so we know that. I guess even if he was a bastard, maybe his claim to the throne wouldn't be completely jeopardized. I mean, yeah, I just think it's kind of stupid if that letter at the end of the the search is supposed to be something to discredit Zuko because, like, Azula threw the Agni Kai. Yeah. Well, let's go into so, like, like this what if. Let's whatever. let's assume that they they accept it or whatever, or like if this is even true. What would happen? The dance, the dance of the dragons. 
because <laughs> I was writing down in the document and just it seems like Zuko has a lot of support now from the mainland, which is kind of interesting because what he did for the mainland, it, w- it would be like the hardcore nationalists that would go with Azula. But he has a. Did you read the um the my the my the May comic, the eight page May comic that came out on? Yeah. I uh, mean, did you- uh, no, I don't think so. What was it about? It was it was a really it was eight pages long and it was basically about May working with her aunt in a flower shop in mm. I think it was in New Dow or is it Boston say, but basically she uh, she goes on a date just kind of you know to brighten her day because she's kind of still busted up about Zuko yeah. and her date her date takes her to kind of like a underground meeting about these what do they call themselves like the new ozai movement or something <laughs> new ozai society yeah the new new ozai society and it's basically it's led by her father and they're basically saying you know your 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 boyfriend is changing too much you know he's a traitor and we're going to try to overthrow him and my eventually she she turns on her dad and and uh, kind of takes her little brother and goes back to her aunt and but it's obvious you know from that it's actually it's worth reading. It's um for an eight page comic, it, it packs in as much you know character and story as you could hope. And mm. but it, it's clear that like he's not completely uh, Zuko. He's not completely supported by people in the Fire Nation. And you see that too yeah. in the um the Promise. You know he almost gets assassinated what six times or something. Yeah. So if he is a bastard, and that is true, I don't know. I I can't see it becoming a political thing i don't think that's what i I feel like the promise was the political comic and i feel like Mm. search is too personal for them to take it down the political route like i don't think we're going to see like the courtroom scene where they're like you know (laughs) what is the true heart of the fire lord you know is it blood or is it you know goodness or or, you know something like that yeah i just go with my interpretation Uh, it's a sun and spirit yeah it's all about spirits right spirit world (laughs) see i'm like I know, I know people are like, oh, well, you know, but their only other option is Azula and like, she's crazy. So nobody wants her as Fire Lord. And it's like, these are the same people who are fine with Ozai being Fire Lord <laughs> for, you know, 20 years. Like I, if they found out that Zuko, who they already don't like, um, isn't, you know, isn't, isn't, isn't the real deal, then I would totally imagine like, right. Like in, in real life, there would be like a crazy clamoring for, you know, power and who controls Azula and <laughs> it's like Azula yeah. turns into Ares and then, you know, Toph <laughs> like invades and kills her with a hammer. I don't know. But like, <laughs> well, it's, it's the Iron Throne. And yeah. well, as long as we're speaking about Azula, it's funny that you mentioned Zuko being kind of like Tyrion because like she's uh, Azula, she's kind of like a Cersei in this situation. She's coming a little unhinged. Mm. And there's a there's an interesting passage where she uh, it's near the beginning of the comic where she runs into that little hidey hole where um, her mother's letters are stored. And she says something to Zuko along the lines of, you know, if you weren't so cowardly or you weren't so afraid all the time, you would have come and played in this hide hole with me, you know, when we were kids. And it kind of reminds me of um, I think it's in Feast for Crows. There's a scene with. Like Cersei's having a flashback and she's remembering this time where her and I think she and Jamie were below Casterly Rock and they kept, I think, animals in cages or a menagerie down there in the caves. Hmm. And she sticks her hand into the lion's cage and she lets she lets the lion lick her hand and Jamie won't do it because, you know, he, he has more common sense than her. And Azula, I mean, not Azula, Cersei is convinced that she's like, you know, it showed that I was brave, that I stuck my hand in the lion's cage. And it's like, no, it doesn't show you're brave. It just shows that you you're fucking stupid and, and, and like azula i i do, i just like what they're it, it's it's kind of like an elementary understanding of you know i don't know schizophrenia or or, or, or a mental break or something but she, she just reminds me a lot of cersei she's this character who feels like power is being taken away from her but she's so fierce and she wants it back and she has so much resentment boiling up inside her and you know, if you see Zuko as Tyrion, like he wants to love her and he wants to be part of a family, but his family just does not want him in any way. That analogy went way too far and way too long, but that's what <laughs> well, I was let's, thinking. Let's, like, let's talk more about Azula, I think, in general, which I thought was really interesting in this uh, comic. I mean, part of it, one part was the craziness and how she seemed to think that her mother was controlling everything and she managed to get by her to talk to Ozai. Do you get that? Yeah. Part? Yeah. <laughs> 
yeah, again, it just, it feels like we have to show that this character is, uh, like, had a mental break. And so we're going to show it in the way that, you know, our target audience would understand, mm. which is, you know, I, I kind of dislike it because I never, I, I, I've ranted about this enough. I've never saw Zula as being, you know, mentally ill or mentally <laughs> crazy. But I think, I find her fixation on her mother very interesting because, we don't she says she wants to like end her mother you know which is avatar language where she wants to kill her yeah but at the same time she kind of desperately wants her love you know who knows I, that's another thing i'm interesting is like what is going to become of azula at the end of this comic you know yeah. i either is she going to be killed or is she going to reconcile herself with her mother and gain sort of sense of peace with herself i I can see either one happening and it all comes down to, you know, whether Ursa is alive or not, or what kind of answer Ursa provides for her. Well, I mean, I, I feel, don't they say something about like, was, was, I don't remember if it was in this one or whatever, but there was some line about this is not Azula's path. This is like, am I, am I inventing that? I don't, I don't remember that. <laughs> okay, so maybe I have invented. Uh, there was this great fan fiction I read. I don't know. Um, <laughs> but I mean, I I did like how like they didn't like. You're right. You're right that you know um, visions of Ursa are an easier way to communicate Zula's mental illness and also the crazy eyes. But at the same time, they're not like they didn't they didn't say it straight out like like oh that that's who she's talking about. Like the first time she goes like, how did she get to you? I was like, who? Like, he's talking about Katara. Like I had no idea what was going on. And I was like, I guess that's sort of a brave move on Jean Yang's part to, to write that and not provide an easy explanation. Um, but I mean, I'm kind of, I have no idea what's going to happen to Azula, but like, yeah, it's really interesting. I don't, I don't especially have a preference to be honest, because mm-hmm. anything's better than how she, Ended Avatar, right? So well, she's such a character with potential in multiple ways. One is just like her power, right? She's one of the few characters that can challenge Team Avatar, even the Avatar himself. So if they, because they never had a proper showdown, the two of them. Yeah, yeah. So well, they, the the drill was kind of a well, that episode. Was yeah, that's true. they had that. They had that, but it was inconclusive, right? And we don't yeah. know like whether her spirit can be energy bent or not. Oh, she killed him. <laughs> Oh, but he, that was a backstab. Yeah. That was a backstab. Like, that wasn't a proper fight. <laughs> and left himself open. It's his fault. <laughs> yeah, she's a really stupid move. She's so... I, like, I kind of gained a new respect and love for her in this comic because she's so fierce still, mm. even though she's broken. And Ty Lee has a great line when the, she's standing outside of the mm. cell with Zuko and they've just kind of subdued Abzula and left her alone with Ozai, and Tylee says, you know, she's wrong. I never lost my fear of her, you know, implying that she's still, you know, scared shitless of what Azula could possibly do. Mm-hmm. So, I, I don't know. I, oh, can I, we address her flammable straitjacket, please? <laughs> it's firebending. Like, all you have to do is breathe. It's, it's impractical. I don't know. Like, I know, like, she says that she's been chi blocked for whatever, but, like, she says that it wears off. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like that's such a fan fiction move. Like, whenever somebody has to be incapacitated in Avatar fan fiction, just get a chi blocker in here, numb them up for a few hours, I don't know. Yeah. It's convenient enough that they can just presume that she's not going to run off or lightning them to death in their sleep. Well, here's a question, though, is why did Aang not try to... uh removed her bending uh, like why not is it too risky is it is it improper to do something like that i think it was more along the lines of like doing that for ozai was the last resort and then like maybe they i think the chi blocking is supposed to represent like a like some sort of like chi blocking seems worse to me it's like they're, every yeah. few hours you're beating her down like you just like do one procedure and then she can <laughs> i know and then it's just like <laughs> but she's still yeah, a, but, she's still a kid and I feel like, I mean, she's a teenager, oh, but I feel like <laughs> it will still, it's like, it uh, was 112. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I guess well, so yeah, sure. He doesn't remember like <laughs> any of those years, <laughs> but doing like taking away someone's bending, even Ozai, it's, it, it's kind of like you said, Stephanie, it's a last resort and it feels like mm. kind of a violation. And I think they're careful enough with, you know, you know, Jet being the exception. I think they're careful enough with how they handle their children characters that they don't maim anybody. And it, to mm. me, like, it feels like 
like ripping someone's power away like that. I think they even say that at the beginning of the search, Zuko, he, somebody, asked, I think it's Tylee, she asks him, you know, is, are you sure it's safe to leave Azula and Ozai in the same room? And he's like, and he says, you know, well, he's had his bending taken away. There's no, he can't do anything but talk. You know, it, it's such a crippling of someone that I don't think mm. that the creators or the writers want to do that to Azula, especially since she's she's on such the sympathetic streak right. of being, you know, mentally crippled. You know, why why kick her when she's down? In terms of storyline, it's better that she's not. I mean, it's a lot more interesting that she has the ability to to take anyone one on one. But I'm just talking about like if it was like a real world, would they have tolerated her? keeping oh, it no, like no i think like like especially since she's in the equivalent of an insane asylum in like the 19th century yeah. world <laughs> no she would like not be like well what yeah. she's doing now is i mean i think the letter is a red herring and all of that but what's interesting is if they had removed her bending the red letter could still be critical even without bending she could still have a claim so it's kind of interesting yeah. the way it turned out yeah, I don't think Azula would, like, have any chance from emotional or mental recovery, whatever that does mean for her, if she had her bending taken away. Mm. Like, I, she would just go catatonic. Like, that's not, that's that's her entire, like, validation, you know, especially now that, that yeah. she has no political power. Um, but, yeah, no, I, I also think that, like, I mean, also on a story level, like, she can't, like, she has to choose to not use her powers mm. for bad which to a certain degree she sort of does in the like the early parts of the search like when they all start attacking her and she's just like i'm standing here you know um yeah so it's it's interesting but but it's also it's also like i'm just thinking of ang when he took away Cone's bending and Korra, yeah, like that was a that was a la like a, an extra last resort there also. Um, so clearly, it's something like he is super reluctant to do because like that wasn't even like a oh we're we're sentencing you to having your bending taken away. It's a we're sen- sentencing you to life in prison and then you know tries to kill the Avatar and then you know and then he gets his bending. That was taken like away pure self defense the there. Like it was no other option. Yeah. To do right, that. Exactly. So two two questions though. Well, the first question is, how difficult is it to to do to take someone's bending away? Because the first time it done, it was barely done. The second time, it seemed pretty easy. And what would Azula's will be there? And the second question is, do you think Azula's going to be redeemed by the end of this comic? Mm. Either redeemed or dead, which could be the, <laughs> you know, which could the be same the same thing. Yeah, the same thing. Hmm. I don't I don't know if they would go so far as to kill her. I just I can't envision her. Unless they do something really wonky with, you know, like, love heals all scars. But I can't, <laughs> like, she hugs her mother and everything is okay and they're a big happy family again. I can't see her being in any way a non-violent character or not, or just just an angry character. I, I don't know. I see she, her more. She invents, as, like, the, what is that, pro-bending? <laughs> as, an, as an outlet. <laughs> <laughs> she takes over for Cabbage Corp, gets it back on its feet. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Do you guys think Ursa is going to be? Were they going to find out that Ursa's been dead for a while, or do you think they're going to meet her again? She's dead. Yeah, I'm hoping she's dead too. <laughs> she's dead, but I think they're going to talk to her in the spirit world, and I think yeah. that's like, yeah. Well, they have to bring Roku back in after what happened in the Promise, you know, and kind of told him to fuck off. Yeah. <laughs> well, he kind of had to though. It was, it was nice yeah. that he was able to stand up against the past there. That was probably my favorite part of the promise, which was Aang finally kind of taking a stand and saying, I don't have to listen to you, even though you're my guide. I'm making this decision now that I'm not going to kill anyone. You know, even in the direst of situations, I'm not going to kill Zuko. I'm not going to kill anyone in the Fire Nation, even if you tell me to, because you're projecting your regrets onto me. Yeah. You know, it's I, like I time he did that. Though. I mean, he did it with Ozai as well, Like, but it's still nice to see it happen again. Yeah. So, but I feel like there has to be some kind of reconciliation. And since Urza is, uh, Ursa is, she is Roku's descendant, I feel like it'll probably be embodied in her in some mm-hmm. way. That is interesting. There was a line in the one of the flashbacks of the comic where uh, Azulon, he's talking to Ursa for the first time, and he's like, it's almost as if Avatar Roku was hiding his bloodline from us. I was like, yeah, he probably was. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, totally. <laughs> I actually really liked that situation because, like, I thought Hmm. that when they were like, oh, someone's here to see you, I was like, oh, no, like, Ozai's hunted her down and, like, has this maniac obsession with her. But it was actually, (laughs) which, I mean, it's 
gross, but like it made it made a lot more sense to me that Ozai was also sort of a pawn in the situation. Hmm. Um, yeah, but I understand why they did it. Of um, like Ursa is she's much more a victim in the comic than she was in the show. Where in the show it was kind of just implied that you know she kind of she uh, even though it was probably an arranged marriage, she she grew into it. You know, even if she didn't love him, she kind of accepted it as her as her role as a queen or fire lady or whatever. And in this, it's, you know, she's at her wedding feast and Ozai leans over and whispers, you're mine now. (laughs) Twirling his mustache. You know, kissing her ear or whatever. It it seems a a lot more simplified than what the political reality would be. And again, it's because we're Game of Thrones people. We're like, you know, she could learn to love him, you know, with time. Arranged marriages can work. I forget what I was going with this. Well, no, actually, well, most of the arranged marriages don't work in Game of Thrones. <laughs> like, Eddard and Caitlin are the exception. Yeah, but I think they're a good exception in that they show that, that I think that's one of the reasons Caitlin was always cautioning Rob, is, you know, your mm. passions will, will die out, and it's time that creates love, not, you know, fucking around in the tower. <laughs> But uh, sorry, what, what do you think about that? The first question, though, like in terms of how easy is it to take someone's bending away? Because it seems to be unless mm. unless unless um, it was a guy that second guy who got his bending take away. What was his name? Yukon. Yukon. Like unless his will is like way less than Ozai's or something. Like, is it based on their will or is it like a retro change? Now, well, Aang was much older, also. Mm, much older. A lot more experience. Well, I think. Stephanie, you can confirm this, but like Bright, they said that basically when you when the Avatar takes away someone's bending, it's like they're re, they're rewriting the chi paths in the body. I guess. And I've it had heard them say that, but yeah, it's. I think the way I, I wish I could remember where I read this, where it's like Amon was severing something in people's brains, whereas the Avatar, he's completely rearranging. Yeah. You know the spirit, and so. I guess as long as his his ang spirit is stronger than whoever he's you know crippling, <laughs> for lack of a better word, <laughs> lobotomizing. Oh, he's removing yeah. their taint, right? According to Amon. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he's normalizing I mean, them. <laughs> I mean, he has to he has to see it as a last resort because I think yeah. he, I, he's such a compassionate person. Mm. Like even the way he's treating Azula at the beginning of the search, like he's saying hello to her, like how was your morning. He's not someone who wants to permanently change somebody against their will. And I think, like you said, I mean, it has to be a last resort where he gave Ozai the chance at the end of the show. He's like, you know, you're done. It's over. And then Ozai went to attack him from behind. And that's when he's like, okay, you know, you had your chance. And it was the same with Yukon. They gave him, they sentenced him to jail. He escaped and he was too dangerous to, you know, to let, to let alone. And so he had to take it away. I can't. I can't imagine that it was like a situation where Aang was going around to all the prisons and just, you know, debending every single prisoner in there. That would have been catastrophic. Yeah. Also, like, can we mention that, uh, that, and that scene where Aang's saying, like, good morning to Azula is like, when did Iroh become so, like, derpy? Which Not was derpy. Like, hey. why was he, so, when did he become so concerned about Azula's well being? Like, he never shows it in the show, does he? Exactly. That's like, what the fuck? You know, like, I think, like, it's, like, really, I think Iroh's a little unreliable when it comes to Azula, when it, mm. like, when he, like, so a lot of people, I think a lot of people think, like, him saying, like, she's crazy and needs to go down is, like, takes it as, like, the end-all, be-all, like, yeah, she does do, like, indefensible things during the show, mm-hmm. but, like, I think a lot of people just, like, oversimplify that. I'm not sure. I mean, I think he cares about her in a familial way, and then and that he she is her niece, his niece. He doesn't want to see her come to harm, but I never got the impression that he had any affection for her. Yeah, the way I he mean, does for Zuko. I don't. I don't remember. Yeah, now he's all talking about her finding her inner peace. Like what? Well, that's just Iroh talk. Like he wants everyone to find their inner peace. Yeah, he's and... just high on the... <laughs> <laughs> tea. Some, <laughs> tea. Well, weed. what is he having with the tea, right? Some sort of brownie. <laughs> right. so. That's true. No, it, it, that that for me, like, it was a switch, but I imagine, I, I mean, Iroh was like, the interesting thing about Iroh is that he tries to be, like, like, I guess we sort of have an inkling that his compassionate nature is not his default setting. Hmm. So I think that that's something he, he works on and that Azula in her current con- condition deserves. Um, especially because, like, I mean... 
she's so she's so like part of the reason she's such a powerful character at this point is because she's so pathetic but she's still so dangerous Mm. and it's it's you know it's really interesting to look at so to me that made sense that like i would have i would have liked to see a little more interaction with them like see how ira would like interact with her um but but yeah like yeah like the only other ira wazula interaction we've ever had was him sending her a doll and her burning it so (laughs) yes good for her also she lightning bolted him oh yeah yeah Uh. yeah Yeah. Through the chest, yeah. Again, I think it's just purely royal family obligation. Mm. You know, she he is Tywin sending out soldiers for two years looking for Tytic Lannister, wet nurse, who's never going to be found because he's dead in a gutter somewhere. That has nothing to do with Azula, but it's family obligation. <laughs> <laughs> Iris kind of like the Kevin of the family. He is. He's more practical. He's not as uh, warlike and fiery. Yeah, but I realized that there are major issues with being okay with Kevin as a character, which made me really sad because mm. I like him a lot. But what's wrong with Kevin? Well, I mean, like, is it more like he's he really just thought that Ozai or that uh, <laughs> Tywin had the right idea most of the time? That's why he never really and and also he just himself. He, but like whether I actually kind of disagree with you, I think he was just making his life easier. I think he he knew that fighting against Tywin wasn't going to bring anything, so he just like made himself okay with like, all right, I'll go give the order to murder and rape thousands of innocent people who have no idea and no way to defend themselves. Like, I mean, all the personal uh, this is wow, so off topic, but like this, <laughs> the personal interactions with Kevin, I really like, but when you look at like the the effect that his character has has created like he doesn't even say like are you sure we have to retaliate this way like maybe they can just burn some crops like nothing you know yeah well sure it's it's the problem of being a fa- like favoring any of the generals that are playing in the war it's like i forget who wrote the article for tower of the hand but there was an interesting article about the blackfish and why He's an asshole on some level. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for for how he treated the small folk and how he persisted in the war when when uh, surrendering would have been better for everyone. He was predicting the TV show Blackfish with that article. That's what he was the doing. Douche, yeah, the <laughs> douche, douche fish. Rob's lick spittle. He just keeps kissing ass. Yeah. <laughs> At least he didn't do that in that episode. <laughs> <laughs> there was a lot of ass to kiss in that yeah. episode. Not enough Rob Sorry. ass. All right. No, uh, not enough Rob dick. <laughs> well, he's no oh Alfie Allen. Like, he's not going to agree to that. So. Ugh, yeah. yeah. Oh, I feel so cheated, though. Okay. It's so funny. Like, they never they never do, like, like with Brienne. I'm pretty sure that was a, 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 a butt double. It was, you know, yeah. Whatever. But they never try that for, you know, full, like, the front of dudes. And it's like, do you think we'd recognize anything? Like... <laughs> <laughs> No, it's to make sure the audience doesn't look at the guy too much because the male viewers might think, ooh, I'm, I might be gay. Mm. <laughs> oh, dear. Yeah, Rob gets up and puts on a robe and Talisa wiggles her butt. Attack, attack. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, what the fuck was that? <laughs> Anyways, let's uh, get back. What are we talking about? T-Bent. <laughs> yeah, I think she could be. I think her will could be... Uh, <clears throat> overcome by anger. I mean, like, if you can overcome a genocidal maniac high on his own power, like Ozai, yeah. you can depend Azula. Uh, cool. Yeah. I want to mention the parallel where uh, Zuko sees, like, um, Sokka helping out his sister, like, putting the blanket, and he tries to do the same. Oh. Cool. Yeah. And then that's how he that finds was, the letter. Oh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, oh, Katie wasn't, he was like, oh yeah, she'll be, she, she'll be gone by morning. Yeah. I, that's a, that's a bad idea. Let's let her sleep at the edge of the campfire in the dark trees where none of us can oh, see. Maybe the hound will show up and grab her, so. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Who is the hound of the Avatar universe? He can. Smell her be. <laughs> I don't know. They need one. Um. <laughs> It was a it was a genuinely touching moment though. I mean, he's he's trying for something that yeah. is probably not he's probably not going to get. And it also it felt so like touchingly unnatural. Like every time he tries to be nice to Azula, it's sort of like, wait, this is what a nice person. Not that Zuko's not a nice person, but he has no no like comparison for this kind of behavior. 
so it's like, this is what I should do. Like, I should take the wheelchair and push her, and I should put a blanket on her. And, you know, it's like, yeah, I found it charmingly I, robotic. And yeah. I love that he's just so unequipped to deal with anything relating to his family. Yeah. After, like, ascending the throne, he's like, wait, I shouldn't keep my sister in a, like... I shouldn't not visit my sister. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right, like, that speech is what opens, like, wakes him up to it. It's like, oh, hey, Azula's been in a mental institution for whatever months, and... It's been, like, a year. Yeah. I feel like Bright just has an affinity for... There, there's always, like, every series, it's like there's the good siblings, and then there's the bad siblings. And with the bad siblings, there's always the question of, like, to what do I owe this person? And I, I don't know. that For me, that's a powerful question. That's why this the search is so much more interesting than the promise. Yeah. I think that's coming in Korra, by the way. I think that's going to be... I mean, it already was, but I think that's going to be, like, Korra's uncle. Her evil uncle? Yeah. yeah. He's so, like, skeevy looking and, like, her spiritual development. It, sa- it sounds like... Like, why couldn't they be, why couldn't that be Tenzin? And also, why did her uncle have to be a dude? Yeah, they don't have enough cool... Well, I mean, if he's an uncle. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, you know what I mean. Her mentor. I know. I know what you mean. The old grizzled man thing again. Yeah. I don't know. He's just, he's he's hotter, shorter Tarlock, and that's all I can say. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, like, how's he going to think about Tarlock? Is he going to be like, who? appoints the representatives or something i don't know i i don't feel like we're ever gonna find out it's such a shitty political system (laughs) be like oh hey i I only appointed the guy who like bloodbent and kidnapped you sorry about that (laughs) maybe we'll get a flashback to his banquet dinner the representative from the northern I can like hey I have nothing left my two characters they're dead. <laughs> they're fucking dead. Oh. <laughs> oh, we don't know if, if uh Amon is dead. So yeah. Oh, come on. He, he saw what was going on. He jumped off. He's going to be the hound now, right? He's half his face is going to be turned <laughs> off. I don't know. They'll find him living on and trying to be an air nomad. That's what he's going to do. No, he's going to be the patch face. He's going to wash up on the <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know. (laughs) I'm imagining Steve Blum saying that. (laughs) I know, I know. (laughs) So, we're looking at the document here. I guess talking about both comics, sexual tension. So, Zuko and Suki, they have sexual tension? Yeah. She even has a Freudian slip in the the search. She does. What does she say? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, like see. I was so I mean we were so worried about you or something yeah <laughs> I wonder I read that because I, I saw that again and I wondered one either they're, they're trying to continue the sexual tension for some reason or two that's her kind of like reminding herself oh yeah maybe he'll take this the wrong way and then correcting herself but I, I, I lean towards the former and that it's it's in every single issue of the promise like, I was so worried about you. You look so lonely out there on the battlefield. Just guarding his bedside every night. So. Yeah. <laughs> With Tylee. <laughs> She's up for anything, so. I don't know. I know a lot of the shippers out there think, you know, Suka, Suka, Sokka and Suki, they're, they're destined for each other. But she's such, like temporary girlfriend material like she's yeah. she's she's like the girl you would date over the summer and then she'd maybe dump you when you went back to school or something i can't see her being like Sokka's wife when he grows up you know yeah well yeah. and i mean she dated even like foamy or whatever right so she might be <laughs> <laughs> looking for something <laughs> <Didn't she? laughs> yeah like at the same time though i can't see especially after that may comic i can't see zuko and may not getting back together at some point yeah it was actually really sweet because she never like said Zuko. She never like you should read it. I mean, but it was like it was really like for an eight page comic, very subtly done, um, and for a comic in general. And well, it was broken like, up during that uh, that comic. Like she she went on a date, right, or what? Yeah, she went on a date with some guy. It was kind of like when <laughs> Zuko went on a date when he was in Bossing Say. Mm. You know, someone comes into the shop and his. Well, yeah, this is this, this after the war though when she did that. Well, like, this is when they're having the fight in the promise because she leaves him in the promise. Oh, okay, yeah. Yeah, they have that that 
uh, fight, not really a fight, but she basically, she, 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 she's done with him because he's been keeping secrets from her. Mm. And so she says, you know, when you're ready to be honest, I, I think that's her line. She's like, I'll, I'll, maybe I'll come back. And she goes, and it, it's in the little comic, it says, you know, she goes and she works at her aunt's flower shop. And she's thinking of Zuko because I think she, she, her aunt asks after him and she doesn't say anything, but she's making a sad flower arrangement. And at the end, she kind of, she gives up her family for him. Oh, wow. Yeah. Mm, I was kind of hoping, I wish they hadn't done that comic, because I was, I was going to say that Suki isn't a toff, but it's a step in the right direction in terms of Earth, <laughs> somebody from the Earth Kingdom, which I think is more appropriate. If we're talking about, like, arranged marriages, he's got to put his needs aside and get somebody from the Earth Kingdom. Hmm. Uh, I don't think it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, I don't know. I don't think they're into that in Avatar land. I mean, Bright, they were going to have Azula have an arranged marriage, and they broke that out of the final draft. Oh, really? Like, you mean during the, the show? The show. Yeah. Yep. With who? No. I have no idea. It was in the commentary. It was going to be Zhao. No. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think he was high enough yet in the politics. Like, he was aiming. He was, he, he was kind of like a militant little finger in some way. He was like, he was aiming for the top, but he wasn't there. No, he was desperate. He was was kind of let his passions rule him. He was climbing the ladder of chaos. (laughs) Oh, fuck that. Fuck that metaphor. (laughs) What does that even mean? You can't put a ladder in a pit of chaos? It's not a pit. It's a ladder. ladder. (laughs) I was listening to like another podcast and they were saying it was like something from Mad Men, like a, a Don Draper pitch for advertising, like chaos, a ladder. Back to your to, uh, sexual tension. I, I don't know why. I'm trying to look through the comic here. Like I wrote down that I saw Azula Sokka tension, but I can't find anything here. I don't know what. Oh, when he's keeping his um. Oh, in like the invasion when like she like jumps over him in that mm. like earth wall. Well, that was and then like the, the show. putting her. I guess yeah. I guess so count as in that. The, in the comic. comic, like he's also like pushing his boomerang in her face, and she's like, get this shit out of my face. <laughs> he's like, look at my water tribe weapon. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> well, I think like he like you know like Sokka understandably is just like yeah I don't trust this bitch and then she's like get that shit out of my face because she hasn't at that point she hasn't even lifted a finger to like threaten him. Mm-hmm. Okay, you can't you look at his expression on his face when he's whipping his. Uh... his... <laughs> <laughs> he's so eager. Yeah. <laughs> I, don't, I feel like that's just Sokka in general is that he's easily parable with all the ladies. But you did yeah. say that there was that, uh, that scene in the show itself, which is also very minor. But when Where she flies over his head. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't know. There's more, there more tension here, but I can't find it. Is that it? It was just the boomerang, I guess. Yeah. Oh, and when he had her against the wall. Oh, does he? Oh, yeah. Where? In the show, in the show he does. When he's asking, well, he's, he's demanding where is Suki. But still, you know. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, Mihal, you're still rooting for Taka, right? Yeah. Not gonna happen. <laughs> yes, it is! Shut up! It's <laughs> <laughs> perfect! Uh, Suki! Suki! Suki just doesn't really have any character flaws. I mean, like, I know she's a side character, but, like, if everyone's, like, so intent on, like, keeping her in, like, Team Avatar... Yeah, I know, and she's, like, she's, like, a little older, a little cooler, a little, like... Just it's sort of like why does she hang around these people? <laughs> yeah, she has more common sense, and she's like, "Wow, y'all are, y'all suck. You you all you always lose." <laughs> yeah, sorry, you gotta go fix you my face. Would be disappointed paint. then, or, or not? I mean, putting May aside, let's say May wasn't an issue. Talking about the other relations, if Suki went with uh, Zuko and like there was a fallout, would you be disappointed by that, or would that be interesting? I would be interested. That's I mean, because it. As much as I like Zuko and May and think they're going to stick together, it would be unexpected. I mean, it would yeah. be something new. You know, I could work. Go yeah, ahead. it happens to be. I I like. I feel like Zuko could use some Earth in his life. You know, like he, <laughs> <laughs> he needs the, the that. Earth, earth will move for him. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like he's so. You know, I mean, I love him and May, but like they do kind of operate on the same wavelength, and Mm. I feel like he needs a little difference. And Iroh tries to be that with the whole like whatever mellow, yeah, teeniness. But um, the best combination, the (gasps) thing. They get an adventure in the end of the. (laughs) Can we 
can we just talk about how ridiculously easy it is to write Toph out of any script mm. ever? Yeah. yeah. It's like, oh yeah, she went back to the metal bending school because we didn't have more than five people in our party at the same time. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. I don't, I mean, I, like, I get it. Like, I think it would have been a crowded comic if she'd been in there because she is... Like, if she, ha- if she had been there and hadn't been doing her Toph thing, it would have been wrong, you know? So I'd almost, like, rather not have her there, um, hmm. you know? But and, and I really do like the moment when they're all like, we missed Toph, you know, because that, that felt very genuine to me. Because, like, it's like, yeah, we're on another adventure, but, like, it's Azula instead of Toph. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I guess I would rather her not be there than have to suffer through another metal-bending school mm-hmm. thing, like in The Promise. That was, that was the worst. Let's open up conversation to the promise as well if we're looking at the list here. Yeah. Anything you want to Sure. Talk? Why didn't she even teach them to see with her feet? I'm still really confused <laughs> on that. Like Because they're not blind. Yeah, but like, I mean, like, that's the first thing she does when she starts to teach Aang. Hmm, that's, mm. well, okay, that's true. Maybe she had, I think we talked about this before, how she's just kind of a shitty teacher. You know, and the comic doesn't, the comic skirts around that and finds, you know, Deus Ex, not really Deus Ex, it finds convenient ways for them to learn metal bending, her students. Mm. But in general, like, she just, she doesn't really, I mean, it's, how old is she supposed to be, like 10 or something? I mean, 13. Like, she's like Aang's age, so 13. Like 12 or 13. I mean, she's kind of blunt. She's not terribly empathetic. She had a hard enough time getting Aang around to her point of view. So I, it makes sense that she, does, she doesn't know how to connect with them as students. She just barks at them, and they don't really know what to do. And, but then again, they're really shitty characters. So that's part of it, those three. I mean, they don't have names. What's this euthanasia thing in here from Genie? What? Like, I'm looking at a document oh. here. Oh, that was from when, like, the whole thing of Zuko asking Aang to kill him. Mm. But, like, if somebody asks you to kill them, is that murder? And what does Buddhism say about that? And, like, so how does that inform what Aang does? Um, mm. Yeah. It was... <laughs> I mean, I felt like they got... He came to a really solid conclusion at the yeah. end, which was... You know, Roku, I understand where you're coming from and your history with Sozin, but I have to do things. It's a new world. It's a new kind of society we're living in. I have to do things my way based on my experience. And my experience tells me not to kill anyone. And so, you know, maybe I don't want to say he would have been in the right to kill Zuko, but, you know, he made a choice that was his. And that was, I think, what that part of what the promise was all about, which was kind of characters finding their own stride and kind of in being willing to take risks in their new positions of power. Mm. And for Aang, it was not only just opening his culture up to the, the would-be acolytes, but also standing up to Roku and saying, no, I'm going to be my own avatar. And so I felt like that was a, it was a really solid conclusion. I didn't give it enough credit at the time, but I feel like it is now. Yeah, I thought the third comic really wrapped things up well. I mean, the, after the first one, I was a little bit worried he was going to simplify things too much. But, uh, yeah, overall, it was okay. I mean, he simplifies it as much as he can because it's, you know, it's Avatar politics, which are not, (laughs) you know, terribly complicated. Well, I think what we we were kind of saying the last time we talked about it was that, like, the bottom line is the problem is that the world is run by 12-year-olds. And, like, that's just not going to, like... The problems can be as complicated as they want, but if you're writing for a 12-year-old audience-ish, then you can't like you can't solve problems created by 12 year olds in a way that would be solved by adults right i think the, like the one of the more mature or adult <clears throat> in certain moments is when it's in the third issue when uh ang i forget he's talking to one of the earth generals outside of the walls and the earth general tells him you know you could end this whole thing if you just cut the head off the snake and he kind of points to Zuko, and it, and to me that felt like a very adult perspective. Like if you mm. if you remove the leader from the army, then this whole thing is going to fall apart. And you know maybe that's what the general would do. But Ang, being twelve or thirteen years old, he's not willing to commit to murder. You know, if ever, but especially not at that point in his life. Yeah, it's not exactly the best move either because Zuko is the only guy that keeping control on the Fire Nation side. Right. There, some other fanatic will just take over. Yeah, yeah like. Like, like, like if he'd killed Oz, he if he had killed Ozai back during like the eclipse, like Azula would have taken charge. The fire stages, like, mm. 
Who really wants lemon trolls? <laughs> I don't know. Are you saying like the fire sages would become like the new high septin? Yeah. Or like, <laughs> or like, you know, like, or like, yeah. The, so, or some like noble who, I don't know. There's like, just yeah. like too much uncertainty in how it could play out. So like. Well, the, the, the fire nation has been an empire for like a hundred years. There's probably somebody there that would just take it over. the machine. Like it, it took somebody special like Zuko to turn it around. Like it's not like something going to yeah. disappear. The machinery of war is is still there, and it take a while to change that culture. I, I was pretty sympathetic to him because, like, he's in a really he's in a really bad spot because he has to he's trying to adhere to like this harmony restoration movement, which has been kind of mm. sloppily thrown together without much foresight. But at the same time, he's the fire lord. His responsibility is first to the fire citizens. And so when he realizes that he can't just uproot people from Udao like he, like the other colonies have been uprooted, well, who is he loyal to? Is he loyal to the Avatar? Is he loyal to the Restoration Movement? Or is he loyal to his people? And ultimately he decides, I have to represent my people in this, whether, you know, it goes against my previous commitments. And I think that's, I think that was more realistic in that, you know, if you're going to be a leader, you're going to disappoint somebody and you're going to upset somebody and you're going to piss off a lot of people, but ultimately you have to be willing to champion some cause somewhere. And for him, that was like, okay, I will, I will keep you down as it is. I will protect my people come what may. I mean, like granted communication is really shitty in the comic. And so people make rash decisions but I don't know. I felt like people were, uh, the other characters were being really unfair to him and saying, you know, Zuko has lost his mind. You know, he's becoming just like Ozai. We're going to have to kill him. It's like, no, he's, mm. he's, he's a leader. He has, he's, he's making hard choices. He's almost been assassinated six times. He's know. got like zero hours of sleep. Cut this guy a break, please. Yeah. <laughs> well, also like the biggest plot hole, not really plot hole, but the biggest kind of what the fuck in the whole thing is he's not willing to talk to Iroh about it. And then he's like, I can't, I, I can't send a letter to Iroh who's running his tea shop and, you know, farting his hours away and bossing say, <laughs> Because, because I have to be my own man and I have to walk my own path. And it's like, man, you need a council or something. I mean, I don't, th I don't think Ozai, I mean, not Ozai, I don't feel like Ira would mind if you send him a letter like, hello, I'm about to, you know, spiral our world into another war. Could you give me some advice? Yeah. I don't think he would mind. Send a raven. Yeah. Send a raven. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Do we have any other comments here on the either comic? Uh, I feel oh, like oh yeah, Jing Yao, Jing Yang was going to bring Jet back. What? <laughs> what? He was going to bring Jet back, and this is the worst thing to happen because you know what? If Jet had come back, he would have. I, I bet you anything, he would have interacted with Zuko again. Uh, uh, Jet wants the Z. Yes, <laughs> he wants the Z. He wants the Z. That's but that's stupid. I mean, that confirmed him dead. What I it, know, but like I'm just like. Yeah, it would have been table flip, I guess. They came. Yes, but it would have been so awesome and so. Shippy. Awesome. Yes. <laughs> I don't know. I that's he has no right to bring kids back from the dead. Like that's the oh one instance. Of, that's the one instance of the show of. Like them having a lot of nerve and deciding, you know, we're gonna kill one of our kid characters and it's gonna be awful and tragic. That would be terrible. Hmm. I know it's just the shipper in me. Hmm. So, do you think overall, though, that Jin Yang has done a fair enough job with adapting this? Yeah, I, I think he gets more shit than he deserves from a lot of the Tumblrites. But I, like I. Michal and Steph and I, we talked about this before, how when we read the comics, we can hear the characters' voices in our heads. Mm. And so that's usually, you know, a good sign. And I feel like a lot of the jokes, they don't, some of them don't really cross mediums very well, but some, uh, others of them, it's like, I could see this being in the animated series. I could see, you know, this punchline falling, you know, in the show. Mm. Yeah, so yeah, of, I think he's gone. I say we kind of talked about in the forum. I mean, if, it was, if it's only like, that Western animation was more developed or more open to things like OVAs it would be nice to original video, like to see like a video yeah. of this. Yeah. They actually, um, Bright actually pitched um, a movie about Zuko's mom for TV alongside Korra, or I think it was either or Korra. So they decided, or Nick decided um, to go for just Korra. Yeah. Mm. 
And yeah. Which is fine. Yeah. No, just cue the angry fans though. <laughs> Cora haters to the left. No, I am very happy we have Cora. I love Cora so much, but me too. It's better to move on. I mean, yeah. I mean, I'm ha- like I I had some not not issues necessarily, but like I didn't find that the the promise read as smoothly as the search. Like I said earlier, but in general, yeah. I'm I'm I think he's doing a good job. I think it's a really tough job, also. Um, Especially because, like, I listened to an interview with him and he said, like, the main thing that that is hard for him is, or one of the things, is keeping the page count at what it has to be because he doesn't have a choice. Like, they they tell him how many pages it is. So he has to fit everything into a certain number of pages. And I felt like the, the search did that really well. Like, I felt like when I was coming to the end, like, it felt like I was coming to the end. It didn't feel especially rushed. Um... And the promise was more of a cram job, it felt to me. Um, but yeah, see, the, for the search, I actually felt like, oh, another crazy scheme by Azula. Another crazy thing. It's like, that, that was the only thing that they could, like, do to have conflict in the gang. Except, like, like because, like, the gang is so close, but, like... Hmm. Yeah, but it, I mean, it's mostly, yeah. it's, it's Zuko and Azula's story at this point. It would be weird if... You know, Zuko and Katara started fighting again. Or oh something. yeah, but like it's just like it's the same thing. It's always Azula trying to escape, and then like, <laughs> which I'm sympathetic to. I mean, like, he, I if I was in a mental institution for a year, I want to be out. <laughs> well, she's also what's interesting to me is that like it's not just Azula trying to escape; it's Azula trying to get to her goal. Like she has a very clear directive here, and it's like it gets it's easy to lose track of in the crazy eyes and the the visions and everything but she knows what she's doing and so it's like for me it wasn't sure. as much of a like like yeah from the other characters perspectives it feels like oh we're doing this again but from her perspective it's like well it's just another attempt at achieving her goal true what do you think is going to happen to this spirit world wolf thing uh. <laughs> it's very uh it's very Miyazaki and like Frank have always gone on record saying they've been really inspired by Miyazaki and even when the gang is walking into the the forest they see these stones that have these kind of uh circular faces on them it's like I mean that's that's straight out of Princess Mononoke the little uh the forest sprites yeah know, the circular little faces and even like the wolf that vomits butterflies and stuff that feels very Miyazaki inspired. I think it's kind of cool. I don't know. It seems like there, I was rereading the issue, and there seems to be a lot of um, implied lore in, in in the beginning when Ur- uh, Ursa is talking to Akeem, and they're talking about um, the dragon spirit that was put on Earth by the water spirit, and like the whole plot around the play of the uh, love among the dragons or whatever, and the masks. I feel like there's probably more to that than comes through in that first issue that might come back later. Yeah. It's interesting. Cause I think, um, what the second I read, like whatever line it is that, that they're saying like, Oh, dark spirit, dark water spirit or something. And I was like, and one of the, the characters from next season is supposed to be called the dark spirit. So I'm like, I wonder if that's the same thing. And like, I don't, I don't know. Like there's no way to know, but, yeah, apparently there's like some octopus spirit too. Like IGN did a like in apparently got some inside scoop. Yeah, I saw that. <laughs> it's no end. <laughs> Ugh, you don't understand. I'm like I'm, I'm I just well cuz 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 I I write about Cora for Hypable and like it's like every time there's something new it's like this is not news. Like stop giving us this non non anything it's just it's really annoying and then people comment it's like why isn't there any news about Korra it's like because there is no news about Korra <laughs> I mean a, a few weeks ago we got a bunch but nothing about the new season it was all art books and DVDs and stuff which is I mean it's exciting in itself the art book looks amazing it's like why aren't there any action figures for Korra I want a Korra action figure I'm, I'm still upset that there, there's not a Katara action figure so well, Michal and I have talked about this before. It feels like Nickelodeon just doesn't know how to handle a fandom like this or a fandom yeah. of this size. I mean, like, yeah, but I mean, like, even within, like, stuff you can usually count on a children's show to have, like, yeah, there's not a lot figures. of It's weird. There's not a lot of merch for Avatar. Considering. Yeah. It's, like, all overpriced crap. It's like a, like a $20 mouse pad and, like... <laughs> 
<laughs> who has a Some mouse anymore? Mako skateboard? Like, who the fuck wants that? <laughs> yeah, I mean, they don't even have the soundtrack released for the original series. Well, do you have any other final comments here? I got none. No. Good. So whenever Korra does come out, then we'll get oh, back also to the reviews. Oh, I guess the bending doesn't really translate to the comic that well. Mm. No, the action doesn't quite work. Whatever. Well, I prefer comic over nothing, right? They're still yeah. Oh, yeah. It, so. oh, yeah. Do we know when the second issue is coming out? June? Mm, it's coming out in July, like early July, I think, in comic book stores, and then mm. late July or early August in general booksellers. Sweet. Good. Yeah. And then the last one's coming out. Oh, no, they didn't say it, I don't think. Probably in, like, September or something. Yeah. Isn't that when, like, how the promise got released? Yeah. Yeah, so yeah. just here's the final thing, I guess. Predict when Korra will come out, I think, September. <laughs> Fall. Never. I'll, I'll go with November. Hmm. I'll go late. I don't know how TV seasons run, but I'll go with November. Um, I'm gonna say that Nickelodeon are fucking stupid and they're gonna push it off until January. No! <laughs> no, cause, cause, no, I, I really, no, I, I actually, I think it's gonna be around September, but, but in my heart, I kind of anticipate them being like, hey guys, Cora's back just in time for the new year. And it's gonna be like, who the hell cares? Like, <laughs> I hate them. <laughs> yeah, they're pestering the voice. Apparently, people have been pestering the voice actors. Just what? yeah. Well, just I mean, stop. they already they already did their job for season three. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're and like they did ADR for the second season, which makes me think that there's like the animation is pretty done because that's like after the animation, like or like they're doing retakes. Mm-hmm. Of the animation, so like, who the hell knows? If, yeah. I, I think it's just Nick and like saying let's not do that because like they were, I think they were when book one was airing, they were doing retakes like up until like the release date for an episode. Wow, and that makes sense because they did. Um, it Cora book one was supposed to like come out in like September of like 2012. So, mm. and it's like it's so annoying also because they you know. Like, their response to any, like, questions is not, like, it's it's just not polite. Like, every every time, like, the Nickelodeon Twitter, like, you know, don't get me wrong, I think that, that people should be adult about it, even though it's a kid show. But, like, the, people will ask the Twitter account for Nickelodeon, like, what when's it coming out? And they'll be like, we don't know yet. It's not done. Like, you know, for crap's sake, like, this is one of your highest rated shows. Like, you Sorry to hello. Sorry to interrupt. Do you have to go, Amin? Yeah. You know, so. the network in general, like, could. Oh, okay. Well, anyway, I'm not mad at. We're not, we're not happy with, with they the could release keep us informed. management of this thing. That's obviously no, we're not. Details. Join the club. <laughs> <laughs> Visit podcastoficeandfire.com slash forum slash other stuff for. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we are chatting about it in the forums, and we have a Tumblr now. So. <laughs> Thanks for coming yeah. and talking with us. It was good. I mean, you said you wanted to talk to just mention something about other anime or something in email. Uh, yeah. Well, I guess I'll just send you a list of anime or, or check out the list that I've watched in the forum to see if if it overlaps, and then we can you can join us for another episode. Oh, like on- oh yeah, that. Oh, I forgot to tell you. Um, I'd love to talk about Batman Beyond. <gasps> That's my gas. <laughs> Someday we'll talk about DS9. I still want to oh, yeah. do that. Yeah, yeah. So just check out the Bastards of Kingsway sub forum to take a look there and see what we have planned. All right, cool. Cool. Okay. All right. All right, talk to you later. Okay, bye. 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 That's it. All right.
how are you? Good, I'm annoyed with Skype. I was having trouble getting into it. Oh, we've been hanging out for about 30 minutes. Hmm. Hey, I'm recording, so... Good. I am as well. Just you looking. drove her to the bottle. Oh, yeah? I, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty smashed right now. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> I, can, I, can, I, can, I can pull through. Put me in, coach. So how did you, uh, you want to run this thing? Uh, I want to get my files open here, that document, and then we want to talk about, uh, I guess, just the both both uh, comics, right? Although it's been a while since I've read the first one. Yeah, the search, Me too. The search is much more fresh in my yeah. mind. Okay, so do we want to start with the search and then move backwards, or are we going to start with the promise? Or? Uh, I think we could start with the search, and then like if if the discussion warrants it, we can <clears throat> back to the promise. Okay. Let's see what I have written down. It's been a while since I looked at this. <clears throat> Did you want to start with maybe a lemon cake scale or something? Yeah. <clears throat> lemon cakes. Do you want to do an intro? or? Yeah, I'll do an intro. Just uh, okay. looking at the episode number here. <clears throat> By the way, I mean, I really appreciate your equanimity about Game of Thrones because I was worried. What do you mean? Like, you're very fair on the Reason podcast, and I appreciate that, because it enables me to listen. Good. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I'm going to do an introduction, and then we'll just jump into that. Um, so is this officially, is officially a comic or a graphic novel? It's comic, right? That's what it... Is there a difference? No, but, like, I mean, just I want to use a proper name for it. I don't know. What do they call it? They market it as a comic, right? Yeah, just, I think, uh, yeah. But okay. I don't know, Dark Horse seems more of a graphic novel type of publishing feel. Mm. <laughs> All right, well, I will do the, just the general introduction and then be like, we're joined today by, and then you'll be, see who we are, and then we can just kind of go with it from there. All right. All, okay. right. All right, I got my recorder open, episode 15. Okay. <clears throat>